Lord God, uh, we pray that you will speak to us now, help us to make sense of your teaching on divorce and remarriage in all its uh, challenge and complexity. And we ask this in your name, Lord. Amen. Okay, so uh, in, uh, in the short time we have left, I'm going to try and unpack for us what is a very, very, uh, well, it's an interesting topic. So it, it either, for some people, it feels completely irrelevant because you go, well, I'm, uh, marriage and divorce and remarriage is not immediately on my radar or horizon. Um, for others, it can be an immensely painful and difficult, conflict-filled, shame-filled topic. And um, the last thing I want to do in, uh, in this time is add to anyone's distress or pain or shame or guilt. The church has had a, and our society has had a, you know, we have a history of finding people whose life hasn't worked out in areas that ours has and then making them feel terrible failures for that. So um, divorced people for many, many, many years were made to feel terrible in many churches. And I don't want to add to that. At the same time, I'm aware that we've got massive and serious time restrictions. And the problem with a topic like this is it really could take a few hours to think through all the nuances, the pastoral situations, the contexts, and uh, and how how you think philosophically and theologically about the, uh, the nature of human life and relationships and marriage and then divorce and remarriage and all of that. So we're, we're working under great limitations. So I'm not going to try and do, I'm, I've, I have very limited goals. Um, I want to present a framework within which to think about this. And then um, if people are interested, we could do a follow-up sort of discussion one evening or one afternoon, a, a more of a seminar discussion to unpack some of the details. And um, so this is one of a number of texts in the New Testament where Jesus himself talks about marriage and divorce. And of course, what's interesting is everyone in our culture, most people in our culture love the idea of Jesus. And now oh, Jesus was a great teacher and, you know, fantastic, good bloke, like Jesus. Um, and the problem is you come to texts like this that actually seem, you know, extremely difficult to understand and live with in our culture, right? So, Anyone who divorces his wife and marries another woman commits adultery against her. I mean, how do you how do you make sense of that, right? Um, and what is going on here? So um, the first thing to say is, we do believe there's a there's a deep commitment we have as Christians that that the this is the that Jesus is the wisest, truest person who ever lived, and if we live the way he said he should, our lives will most closely um, approximate the the way God intends for us to live. This is following him is what life really is all about. So when we come across things that Jesus says, or that the Bible itself says that are difficult for us to hear culturally, we've got to we've got to stop and pause and go, huh, maybe. Maybe there's something in our culture or in myself that can be, that is made to feel uncomfortable here. But before I say, oh, let's let's write off Jesus, let's stop and think a little more about what exactly he said in its in his context and what that might mean for us in our context. 
and realize um, that in life we have two choices when it comes to difficult ideas, right? We either conform our desires to the truth. So Jesus says, this is the truth about marriage and divorce, and I need to conform my desires, my wants to that, or we conform the truth to our desires. So we say, I want this to be true. I want to be able to do X, Y, and Z. And if Jesus says something that disagrees with that, I will simply change what I think he said. I will make the truth conform to my desires. Now, the problem with that is reality is what we run into when we're wrong. Um, truth is really about an accurate representation of what is there and the way we flourish and do well in life is by living in step with what really exists. And so in the end, you hurt yourself. When you, when you try and conform truth or change reality just to fit what you want it to be, um, you actually end up doing yourself great damage. So that's why it's critically important in the area of relationships and marriage and divorce and sexuality to be very very careful that what we do as best as we can is submit our understanding and thoughts and cultural constructs to the way the world really is and particularly the way Jesus sheds light on it. So that's the upside. So the context of this, right, which is an important context, is uh, Jesus is arguing with a bunch of blokes who are Pharisees, who are religious leaders, and they're wanting to test him. And it's Mark's gospel. Mark's gospel is a short gospel, man. It is. Mark's gospel is in a hurry. It's like we're getting to the cross. So minimal, you know, this is not a, this is not a gospel with lots of uh, extraneous detail, lots of nuance, lots of subtlety. It's just bang, 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 bang. And there's a lot of conflict. And Jesus is in conflict with a bunch of high status religious males who want to test him. And the testing is around uh, his understanding of the Old Testament, his understanding of Moses, and secondarily his understanding of marriage. And they say, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? And so Jesus, uh, being a good Jew, answers a question with the question. Um, someone once said to me, why do all Jews always answer a question with a question? And I said, well, why shouldn't they? Um, so that's what he does. And uh, they, uh, they said Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and send her away, which is true. The Old Testament says, is very clear, and the Bible is very clear, marriage as a lifelong commitment between a man and a woman, a monogamous lifelong commitment between a man and a woman is God's intended structuring or plan or purpose for relationships. But we all know, we all know that God's purposes are not always carried out fully here on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, otherwise we'd live in heaven. Otherwise we wouldn't need Jesus. Otherwise we wouldn't need to pray the Lord's Prayer. So the world often doesn't work the way God wants it or intended it or purposed for it to work uh, because he's given us freedom. He's given us the ability to choose. And, uh, and there are forces of evil uh, headed up by Satan uh, who are working to deceive us and distract us. So in addition to our will to choose, there are, there's a spiritual battle we're in. We've talked about that over, over the last few weeks, right? So in that context, relationships break down, and the Old Testament is clear that uh, God says divorce in certain situations is permitted, 
And what Moses seeks to do is put guardrails around the practice of divorce to limit the harm and the damage that can be done, particularly to women. Uh, in, uh, when Moses was writing in Deuteronomy 24, for example, um, a man could divorce a woman very easily and very quickly, and if you were left on the side of the road, as it were, if you were sent away by your husband, um, you, were, you, you, you could well end up starving to death because there was no social security. It was a subsistence agricultural thing. And so women were vulnerable, their children were vulnerable to protect them. The Old Testament put uh, conditions around which uh, to govern divorce and the practice of divorce while still acknowledging that it, it's not God's intention, but we want to limit the damage that can be done. So... Um, in this context, they asked Jesus this, and he says, it was because your hearts were hard that Moses wrote this law. Um, and then he goes, but hang on, but God's original intention always was, um, at the beginning of creation, God made the male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. God's plan is this extraordinarily crazy idea of taking two separate beings, uh, male and female, and joining them together and saying, you are now a single entity, physically, sexually, socially, economically, um, and, uh, and out of this, you're going to create new life, uh, and, uh, and you're going to live together until one of you cocks it, right? Until one of you dies. That's, that's, a, that's God's plan, okay? Um, doesn't always work. For a whole range of reasons, it doesn't always work out this way. So what's our response? And, well, if we go back, and I'm here I'm going to just try and mirror this. So you can think of the response to um, divorce as a, as a continuum, right? And over here is the, uh, or our, our teaching, is, is an approach to divorce that I might summarize as too hard, this is, uh, there was a, a rabbi uh, in the school, Shammai, who uh, interpreted uh, Deuteronomy, oh, Deuteronomy 24, which was the verse that they're wanting to test Jesus on. And uh, look at Deuteronomy 24, it says this, um, and verse 1, which is the key text, right, that they were wanting to test Jesus on. If a man marries a woman... Um, who becomes displeasing to her because he finds something indecent about her and he writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her and sends her from the house. So this is the condition. There's, then there's a whole bunch of ways he limits divorce and so on. But, but in Hebrew thought, uh, divorce, Moses permitted divorce if the man found something indecent about her. And... Uh, the, uh, the one view of Rabbi Shammai was that the, the something indecent had to be um, uh, sexual immorality, had to be unfaithfulness. And, uh, and, so there is a, and, and so there's a strand now that takes that and, and actually makes it even harder. There, there is teaching in the church uh, over the last 2,000 years that has actually said it's not just sexual unfaithfulness. In fact, divorce is is never permissible so or, or remarriage so you can divorce you might separate but you are never allowed to remarry um, 
under any circumstances. So you can separate. Remarriage is always forbidden. Um, if you want to think, so so the passage I looked at was Deuteronomy twenty four one. Uh, you can also look at Matthew 19, verse 6, where Jesus uh, seems to say that he, he modifies what he said in Mark 10 and allows divorce and remarriage uh, on the, uh, if, if one of the partners has been unfaithful. Um, but there is a view that says, I think it's the, the too hard view, and, and the danger with, that says marriage is always, or divorce and remarriage is always wrong is it ends up with a, a great degree of legalism, people looking for loopholes. Uh, it, it ends up being a, a place where you, uh, actually how it's always worked in history, it ends up patriarchal, where it almost always advantages the man or the men, uh, the women and the children are the losers often. Um, uh, it, uh, it legitimates and traps people in intimate partner violence. Um, uh, it leads inevitably to oppression of the weak and the vulnerable, um, and it's it's actually a it takes something that's good, God's original purpose for marriage, and says I can't, and and kind of weaponizes that in the interests of a particular social group for social control. Now, often I mean, there's some good intentions behind it, but I think the implications end up uh, being very damaging. And not just very damaging, but going further than Jesus went, further than the Bible went, out of their own zeal for something. Um, I don't think that's helpful. So um, you might say this is the path at, at its best. This is the path of truth. This is what God wants uh, for marriage. On the other hand, there was a, a rabbi called Hillel, and his school took that Deuteronomy 24 passage and said, hey, you know... Um, to find something indecent in the wife could be anything that she does, including um, uh, burning the toast, right? If you find your wife's performance of her social duties unacceptable to you, you can simply send her away. Okay, so that was at the, the, the extreme kind of liberal, too easy, and divorce was extremely easy. Any man could find something that he didn't like about his wife, write a certificate of divorce, and get rid of her, Um that's the too easy path. Um, now today, I might say, and I and I, I might say, maybe that's that's a bit like the no fault divorce era we find ourselves in, right? Isn't it where we we've we've seen the damage of the too hard view, and in reaction to that, we've come up with a too easy view, which is, hey, listen, what's best for everyone is we just uh, we just dissolve this union, and. Uh, there's no fault. You, you don't. You just live live apart for a year, and uh, and then you can dissolve the union and try and limit the damage that people do to each other that way. Entirely understandable. Um, has some challenges with it. Um, uh, if it's if if you might characterize the too hard view as legalism, you might characterize this as giving too much license. A license to our own desires that turns marriage into a contract of um, a contract of convenience or a contract of mutual satisfaction. So I will stick around with you as long as you meet my needs, and you stick around with me as long as I meet your needs, and we'll do that for a couple of years, maybe seven or eight years, and then go. Ah, oh, it's really not working. Maybe we'll do it for twenty years, um, and then what we end up doing is practicing the most common form of marriage or relationship organization 
I would say, suggest in our culture is serial monogamy. We say, you know what? You're together for a while, and while you're together, you're faithful to that person, and then it doesn't work, and then you dissolve it, and then you partner up again, and you do that again and again, and maybe you'll do that two or three times in the course of your life. Um, uh, and that's the best we can hope for. Um, the, the problem with that is it's a far... I, I think it, it devalues the covenantal nature of marriage. It, it actually is, is quite unstable for children... It's unstable for our culture. Um, uh, it's it, the, the, there, are, there are a couple of other... One, one other problem is, um, which is a statistic, I, when, when couples come to me and they're having troubles, uh, which, which is true for every marriage. I mean, let's just put it out there. There will be times in every marriage where you'll think, hmm, it might be easier to trade this partner in for a new and improved model. Um, and if you haven't had that thought, I'm pretty sure your partner's had that thought. <laughs> um, but you know what? That, those times go. So the, 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 that's just the seasons of life, right? Um, where, where we all, life, life is just like that. So, so the, the stat I always quote is they did this big long-term study in the States of couples who reported very high degrees of unhappiness in their marriage. They divided them into two groups, those who got divorced and those who stayed together. And after five years, they tracked their progress after five years. And after five years, the couples who got divorced were, not, were no happier than the couples who stayed married, nor were they any unhappier. It, if you stick at it and you work at it, it you, you'll be as happy as if you separated. With the caveat, obviously, and, and I need to make this extraordinarily clear, if there is domestic violence or danger or abuse in a, in a marriage, then uh, then the priority is to get out and get help and get safe. And um, uh, one of the great tragedies in the church is they've misused the too hard version of marriage to trap particularly women in dangerous situations of uh, intimate partner violence. So um, if, if that is you, if you're in a, a relationship where you are unsafe emotionally or physically or sexually, um, please get help, get out, get safe, um, and uh, and there are a whole range of resources to help you with that um, that are available, and we'll post some in the chat when we're done. Uh, so the problem with making it too easy is you just come and go. It's unstable, um, and it's also actually bad for kids. Um, kids need stability, ideally. Um, obviously, not every marriage lasts, and kids survive that. I'm a child of divorce and um you know i wish i weren't uh but i am it doesn't destine your kids to be completely damaged goods forever but it is certainly clear that on most indicators uh, on average kids who grow up in divorced families fare less well than kids who grow up in intact families this includes mental health, physical health, economic well-being, long-term uh, educational outcomes. Um, it just God's plan is that we we marry, we partner, we stick together. This becomes the unit in which we raise children and we build a healthy society. So, uh, if the but but sometimes it doesn't work that way, and Jesus acknowledges that. God acknowledges that. So if there's the there's the too hard, uh, the too easy, and the too hard, I would say there's a third way. And the Bible itself leads us to that. And if it's not legalism or it's not patriarchy, 
the third way is is the way of liberty. And if this is if this is all about grace, this is all about truth. Um, this is all about love, which brings together grace and truth. And that that is the very difficult pastoral theological middle, which says this is God's intention, this is the reality, and in the living of life, life doesn't always work out the way we want it to or God wants it to. And um, so therefore we've got to keep in step with the Spirit. We've got to follow Jesus as best we can. And uh, one of the great examples for me of this, it, you may not go and have a read of it, in John chapter 4, um, when Jesus is not talking to male Pharisees and religious leaders who are having a crack at him, he's actually talking to a woman at the well, a Samaritan woman at the well who's been married and divorced and remarried five times, and the man she's with currently is not her husband. And when this woman comes to Jesus, he doesn't give her a lecture on divorce and remarriage. He doesn't argue theology with her. He doesn't tell her what a failure she is. He doesn't tell her how wrong it is and what a mess she's made of her life. He loves her. He talks to her. He accepts her. He uh, offers her life and forgiveness and it absolutely changes her life, full inclusion. He gives her water. And so this is what happens at the end of that story. This woman goes back to her town and says, he told me everything I did. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you've said. We have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. So a multiply divorced woman living out of wedlock who's a Samaritan, is embraced by Jesus because he perfectly shows how in life you can bring together truth and grace in a way of perfect love. And I think there's few better examples of how to actually understand and live this out. It's, it's not easy. There's all kinds of complexities and nuances. If you want to look further, 1 Corinthians 7, the Apostle Paul shows how this teaching is is to be nuanced and developed in the context of a difficult pastoral situation. So where do we end up in the two minutes that I feel like I should take? Well, the most part, the message I want to leave is let's, we can think about the, the, the divorce and remarriage. Well, let's just work hard to build healthy, strong marriages and healthy, strong communities and places of emotional and spiritual and relational health. Wherever we are, you can't worry about the past like the past is done. So if you've got baggage and shame and guilt and regrets from the past, do you know what? Just, just leave them in the past. The Bible says God, God forgets about our sin, like he wipes the slate clean. Don't, like you cannot, you are not a victim of what has happened to you or the sin even that you may have committed. But from here on in, let's build health and life in our relationships. And, uh, and the key in all of this, according to Jesus, he said, the reason Moses allowed divorce was because of the hardness of your hearts. So the, real pro- the, the key in relationship is, the, is our hearts, right? So this is what Proverbs says. Proverbs 4, my son or daughter, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ears to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, 
for everything you do flows from it. So as we wrap up, the critical thing to do in in making our relationship with God, in our marriages, in our friendships, in our church, in life work, is to guard our hearts, keep our hearts soft towards God, soft towards each other, so that we can love and serve each other the way God intends. Um, And the final word, because I'm looking at the age profile here, um, this is the guy who married Margot and I many years ago, used to quote Proverbs 5 to me. He'd get on the phone to me for years and he'd say this to me. He'd quote these things to me. Uh, And this is for all of us who've been uh, married or partnered a little while Um, Or if you know people who are partnered a little while, you can encourage them with this, right? Here is a biblical encouragement. Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares? Don't really know what that means. Let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe. A graceful dear, may her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. How's that for a great, like, yeah, I can see a few folk going red on the screen and, you know, but that's, that's it. That's the answer. Like, that's God. God is not squeamish. He has a vision for marriage. He knows it's hard over the long term. And he says, hey, listen, if you want to make marriage work over the long term, you take responsibility for your own delight in the partner of your youth, in your intoxication with them as a human being. So, there we go. Uh, Homework for this week. This is a Bible verse to memorize and to encourage with others and to go and rejoice in the partner of your youth. All right, that should be fun homework. Um, I'm done. Let me pray. (laughs) Lord God, thank you that you love us, that in the middle of of all the ways that life can go wrong in so many different ways, that you, you have a vision of grace and truth that come together in perfect love that heals us and gives us hope and makes our relationships work. So bless us, those of us who've who've been married a while, may we find great delight in the partners of our youths. But but for our whole community, may we be a church family that builds health and strength and grace and truth and love into all our relationships. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.